The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the First Bite Podcast, the Detroit Lions preview podcast for Pride of Detroit, where we talk about the Lions' upcoming matchup. This week, it's a big one. Week six, Lions coming out of the bye week, 2-1-1. One, one. They'll be facing their divisional foe, the 4-1 Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football, Lions' first divisional game of the year. Definitely a big one, Arguably, well, inarguably for first place in the NFC North. Uh, arguably for first place in the NFC North down the line. We shall see uh, at, at this point, it's a first place uh, Green Bay Packers in the second place Detroit Lions. I am your host for First Bite. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit on Lion on Twitter. And with me today, as we always do, we like to get an opposing viewpoint on these preview podcasts. So with me today, um, a guy with a long resume. Let me let me see if I can get it all out in one breath. He is the an editor at Acme Packing Company, the SB Nation site for Green Bay. He is the host of the Lockdown Packers podcast. He's a contributor at Pro Football Weekly, and he's a writer over at Packer Report. And also, he recently told me he's an Aquarius. Peter Bukowski <laughs> is with us tonight. Peter, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. And that's at Peter underscore Bukowski. B- on Twitter, that's B U K O W S K I. Uh, Peter, uh, I want to get right into it. Let's talk about the Packers offseason because it was certainly mm-hmm. an interesting one, and I would say an uncharacteristic one for the Packers. <laughs> uh, first of all, there's coaching changes, which is something that we don't see very often in Green Bay. Um, and then there's also a very active free agency, which is something we never see in Green Bay. Um, and and tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but it kind of seemed like they took on a different strategy for offense and one for defense. So offensively speaking, it seems like the focus was on coaching staff, change the scheme, change the coaches kind of keep, uh, keep the same personnel for the most part. But then on defense, it's a complete overhaul on personnel. You keep your defensive coordinator, you keep the scheme. Uh, is that an accurate overview of, of what happened this off season? Yeah, I think you nailed it. And, and it makes sense too, right? You fire Mike McCarthy because you feel like he is underperforming his responsibility and his responsibility. The thing that separates Mike McCarthy or separated past tense, Mike McCarthy from the rest of the league was 
He was one of the best offensive coaches at his apex in the league. And, and it would be easy now to get off the jokes. And trust me, I got off plenty of jokes at the expense <laughs> of Mike McCarthy. Uh, but it's easy to forget now. He revitalized Brett Favre's career uh, back in 2007. Uh, that team that went 13-3. and three. Brett Favre's career, he was lost in the wilderness. And Mike McCarthy came in and turned that around. It would be easy to forget the work that he did with Aaron Rodgers and and the mechanical changes there, and and what they did as a he, well, he was one of the best play callers in the game for a long time, and his advantage there I, I think really waned. And when you look at what this team was last season, what the offense was, you look at it and you say Aaron Jones is a really good running back. Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league. They have one of the best pass blocking lines in football. They have one of the best run blocking lines in football and you have Aaron Rodgers. You can't go six, eight and one or six, nine and one, excuse right. me. So part of the reason that you get fired is because you're not holding up your end of the bargain. The opposite was true on defense. Mike Patton is a really good defensive coach. Their scheme last year was really good. And, and he is one of the best designer blitz coaches in football. The problem was they didn't have the secondary to cover and they couldn't rush with four. This year, they are leading the league in four-man pressure and not just the the sending of four-man pressure. I mean, pressure rate when sending only four guys. Right. And Mike Patton can get home with three guys because you can show six guys coming and the offensive line know which guys are coming. And so you send three and all of a sudden one guy is coming. You know, he's got a lineman half on and, and it's tough to pick that up. So I, I think you nailed... The, the idea here, and and again, I, th I think it all follows a pretty intuitive, logical plan when you look at what this team has been over the last few seasons. Well, let's get into some of the specifics about what they changed and who's in and who's out and that sort of thing. Let's start with that new offense. And the the, the Packers obviously bring in Matt LaFleur, the guy who's touched Sean McVay, who's worked with Kyle Shanahan, uh, bringing Nathaniel Hacken as the offensive coordinator, well-respected guy out of, ja out of the Jaguars. Um, Tell me what's new about this scheme. I mean, as you mentioned, obviously, Aaron Jones is, is, has figured to be a bigger part of this offense so far. Um, we know Kyle Shanahan loves motion and, and kind of redirections and, and, and all sorts of kind of fun looking stuff. Is, is that what the Packers offense looks like so far? You know, I was just having this conversation with uh, Jason Hershorn, my colleague over at Acme Packing Company, and that a lot of the offense uh, in, in specifics, when you look at just like, let's say, or the actual blocking schemes schemes for a run fit, uh, it, it is not night and day by any means. Uh, what is different, I think, is more philosophical. How they get there is the difference. You know, you look at a Kyle Shanahan offense and a Sean McVay offense, and you would say they run a lot of the same stuff at its core. It's just how they get there is very different. He loves to use 11 personnel with three receivers. Kyle Shanahan likes to play traditionally, likes to play with a fullback, likes to play with two tight ends, but they end up running a lot of similar concepts, and it's all based on outside zone, all based on that play-action game. Green Bay is, is very much the same way in that a lot of the stuff they're running, I mean, they're still running slant flat. That's a Mike McCarthy staple. That's a West Coast staple. This is still a West Coast offense. There's still a lot of Mike McCarthy's offense in this offense, and that makes sense too, right? Aaron Rodgers, um, I don't know if you guys know this, decent quarterback for Mike McCarthy over his yeah, career. Yeah, 
we, we so got you a taste don't, of that. Yeah, you don't have to change that much, right? And and the, the good part of it is you don't have to because a lot of this offense is the same. It's how you get there that's different. You're you're running it out of condensed formations. You add in some jet sweep motion, some orbit motion. Um, you use play action differently, and that is the difference. The biggest difference for this offense is the schematic and philosophical approach is different. They're much more balanced on first down. Last year, the Packers were the most pass-heavy team in the league on first down, but they rarely used play action, one of the lowest play action rate teams in football. This year, um, they're one of the most effective first down passing teams precisely because they're using play action around 30% of the time. Um, One of the best early down passing teams in football. They're one of the best scripted teams in football right now. Um, The best, in fact, passing the ball. And part of that is because um, the the scripted plays Matt LaFleur has been able to dial up. He is very good at identifying flaws and coming out and just when they are, I wrote about this for Packer Report yesterday, when, when they're able to just call plays, absent situation, neutral situations, just pick up yards, they've been really good. Where, where things have gotten bogged down a little bit is on, you know, third and six. Okay, now we got to pick up six yards. That seems to be the mentality. Whereas in other situations, they're just calling pl- the best play, and it's the part that I think needs to change. This was also a problem for Mike McCarthy on third and one. He wanted to only pick up one, and that's a very traditional way of looking at it. I, I think Matt Lafleur can improve there. I think they can get better there because they're a top five uh, offense on early downs, as I said, um, and and they're a top five offense in the red zone. So if they can get this third down thing figured out, then all of a sudden they become, you know, probably one of the four or five best offenses in football, if we're being honest. Well, that's a scary thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's then move to the defense, which is also a bit of a scary thought based on uh, early results. Um, let's talk about some of the personnel changes. Um, like I said, kind of an overhaul over there. Um, gone are some staples of, of the past. Uh, Clay Matthews, Mike Daniels. Bring in, obviously, let, let, let's just talk about the Smiths right ahead. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, the two edge guys coming in. They've combined for 10 and a half sacks through five games. Um, just how much of a transformation has, has those two alone brought to this defense? Well, you, you mentioned the on-field part of it, and, and that's obviously a, a huge impact. Uh, the, the pressure with four thing, I mean, that changes your defense when you can bring pressure with four because it allows you to do more creative things on the back end with coverage. Right. It allows you to be less predictive by personnel. You can be a little bit more matchup friendly. You don't have to worry about are there linebackers on the field, are there safeties on the field, because no matter who is out there, the other seven guys, you know that the four guys on the field can get you pressure. But the the second part of this, and and I don't know if it's just as important because it's hard to quantify some of these soft skill things, but Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith have come into a locker room and absolutely owned it from the jump. Mm-hmm. Zadarius Smith has taken Rashawn Gary under his wing, a raw prospect out of Michigan. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. Yep. He is a ball of tools, not a, not a finished product by any means. Right. But he plays and has played for the Packers really hard and, and has just become attached at the hip to Zadarius Smith. And in his downtime is watching Zadarius Smith tape and will go up to, to Z in practice and say, hey, I was watching you do this in this game against this guy. Why did you do this? And and is setting a tone of culture, of leadership. Aaron Rodgers spoke about it after the Cowboys game. 
that it is a looser locker room. It is a locker room that likes being around each other a little bit more. And when you have leaders, you know, uh, the Brian Gutekind offseason involved Adrian Amos, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Billy Turner. None of those guys are over 27. And none of those guys have have won in any significant way at their previous jobs. They came in hungry, but young, and and hungry to be leaders. You know, Amos Bears fans loved to tell me all offseason was the eleventh or tenth most important player on that defense. He's not in Green Bay, and and as a result, he has elevated his leadership roles. Darius Smith was not even a full time starter in Baltimore. He has been given that opportunity. He has seized it on the field and off the field, and it has paid significant dividends for this entire team, not just the defense. Yeah, and and it looks just as impressive on on paper and and on film after five games. And, and let's get into that a little bit because um, I bring up the the Packers defense a lot and how improved they look to me. A lot of Lions fans kind of, I mean. You know, they're, they're not necessarily the most objective of people. They, they look at the Packers schedule. They see the Bears, the Vikings, the Broncos. Not too great offensive, not not a great set of offensive teams. And then you have the Eagles game in which, quote-unquote, the Packers defense got exposed. Um, is is that how you see it at all? Do Are Lions fans onto anything there? Or, you know, is that just a little bit of homerism? Uh, well, I guess I'll leave the Homerism bit of this for, for, uh, <laughs> someone else. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I think, I, I, I do think it's fair to have questions, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, the, the great people at football outsiders do schedule adjust. Right. Um, and there's still a top 10 defense by DVOA, which is defense adjusted over average. So yep. by yeah. even accounting for schedule. This has been one of the best defenses in football. They've been one of um, the best pass rushes in football, no matter what metric you use. They've been one of the best teams in football at creating turnovers. And the turnover part is not as sticky. Uh, that's a little bit more random, but this is a, a cultural shift. I know I've used that word a lot, but it, it, it cannot be understated. This is a much more aggressive defense than it was. It is a much faster defense than it was. It is a more physical defense than it was. And you put all those things together and it's not hard to see the improvement. And, and you know, I know that there are going to be fans, lying or otherwise, who look at the Cowboy game and say, well, Dak Prescott, 463, Jair Alexander, who's supposed to be the star player, gets lit up by Amari Cooper. And that that part is true. Those numbers are real. And Jair Alexander did not have a great game. With five minutes left in the third quarter, that game was twenty four to three. Yep. And three minutes later, it was thirty one to three. So that's nice. At halftime, Dak Prescott had one hundred and forty yards, and they were getting trucked at home. So that's, and it was a similar thing with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, you know, the the numbers in the Vikings game, it looked like the Vikings dominated the Packers by yardage totals and by yards per play and all that stuff. Well, they were up 21, nothing in the first quarter. Green Bay was right. So, you know, I think some of that stuff, football outsiders also adjusts for, for, uh, things like garbage time and, and, um, you know, so that, that I think helps, uh, tan down some of the questions about oh who did they play who have they played on the other side you know I, I, I we and I'm sure we'll get to this later but I've been really impressed with the Bears the or excuse me that well I have been impressed by the Bears defense that's true um, <laughs> but the Lions defense 
um, you know, was watching the the Chiefs game earlier and and was surprised to see how little they blitzed. Was surprised to see how effective they were just rushing three and four guys mm-hmm. and dropping everyone and saying, "Patrick Mahomes, we dare you to beat us." And and really, he couldn't. Really, a lot of the game. Um, yeah. I, I sort of was shocked looking up at the final score and thinking, "How did they score that many points?" Because I thought Patrick Mahomes it didn't just look mortal. I think for a lot of the game, he looked bad. Yeah. And it had everything to do with what the Lions did. Yeah. And we, we will get to that in our matchup segment uh, in, in the next segment. I do want to touch on one other part of the uh, Packers defense because mm. as good as they are against the pass, uh, they have struggled mm. quite a bit against the run. 28th in run, run defense DVOA, um, given up uh, over 100 yards in four straight games. Uh, in some of those games, we're talking over five yards per carry. Um, what's going on there? Is, is that just kind of a, a situation in which the the Packers will take it on the ground if they can stop them on the run or stop them in the air. They really do not care. Yeah. I'm telling you, they do not care. And, and Mike Patton says all the right things. Hey, we want to stop everyone. Mike, no, you don't. And <laughs> I mean, I think he, I think he's serious when he says that, but his, his great line is, you know, it's a, it's a lot quicker to fly to Miami than to walk. <laughs> and that's how they feel about defense. You will not beat us through the air. That's what they're saying to opposing teams. And that they're going to play small. They're going to play with, you know, their their best four-man rush lineup is one defensive lineman. It's Preston Smith, Sedarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, and Kenny Clark. And you put all those guys on the field at once, and you four-man it. And, I mean, I don't think the Lions are going to do well against that four-man group. Most offensive lines in the league will not do well against that four-man group. It, it is one of those things. They just, I mean, part of it is that they've been up in these games, and so it has been easier for them to say, we can play small. Uh, you know, you can jump out to a 14 nothing lead against Dallas. You know, your second inside linebacker doesn't need to be on the field because right. Dallas is playing with, you know, three receivers and, and spreading it out and trying to throw the ball to win they they just are going to let you run the ball and I, I i go back to the denver game because this is something packer fans are worried about i'm not and i don't think the packers are either you go back to the denver game and and um lindsley and freeman they were they were running the ball effectively against green bay and green bay said guys keep it up just keep it up keep running the ball and they did and finally you look up at the end of the game and they have all this yardage I think they had something like 160 yards on the ground, 3.8 a carry. And it's like, listen, if you want to have 160 yards on 3.8 a carry, Mike Patton is, is going to say via con Dios because he just doesn't care. Like if that's what you want, I mean, and and it's simple math too, right? Even a bad quarterback is going to average six yards in attempt. And the best running back is going to average five yards in attempt. And so it's not just, and and we can say, oh, well, play action. That's the other thing, right? Green Bay has a top five defense against play action. In terms of yards per play on play action, they are one of the best play action defenses in the league, specifically because they do not care if you run the ball. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, if your advantage as a play action team is that play action is efficient and that helps your passing game, great, except... Green Bay doesn't care if you run the ball. So play action becomes less effective in that instance. 
Interesting. Interesting. All right. Before we go on to the second segment and talk about matchups, uh, I want to do a quick injury update uh, with the Packers. Unfortunately, we're doing this on a Wednesday and we, we don't have any injury reports out yet due to the Monday night game. Uh, but Peter, if you, you can tell me anything you know about uh, Devontae Adams, obviously dealing with the turf toe miss last week, and then Darnell Savage left last game uh, with, uh, I want to say, an ankle? Yep. So uh, the the Savage one is something we have a little bit more information on after the game. Uh, no structural damage uh, to that ankle. Uh, he, he had a, he had an issue, issue earlier in the season where he had gotten kicked in the shin, and we saw him in a walking boot for a couple of days, and then he practiced, and there were no problems. Uh, I would anticipate it being the same thing in this game. He was moving around on the sidelines. He was okay. It is technically a high ankle sprain, uh, but it, it does not seem at all serious, and my expectation would be that he can go uh, on Sunday, or excuse me, on Monday. I, the Devontae Adams one is, is so much harder to predict. Yeah, He is not in a boot has not been in a boot. And so um, it, it, turf toe is a weird injury. It is so fickle. The foot is such a weird set of, of bones and ligaments and cartilage. And I mean, it is anyone that's ever had foot issues can tell you if you've ever been to a foot doctor, he, he's like, yeah, there's like a thousand <laughs> connecting points in your foot. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, so it, it's hard to know. I mean, he's, he's walking around. Without a limp, he's walking around in sneakers. Um, he was doing rehab last week. So until we see the injury report, you know, he it, it happened on Thursday. And there was some speculation he was going to be good to go on Monday. While the reporting was pretty early in the week that he was not going to be able to go for Dallas. I guess if you want to really just read the tea leaves there, that would say that it was, even if it was a mild injury, it was perhaps worse than they said in terms of on the mild scale. But he got the extra time off and then is going to get the extra day. I hate to speculate on these kinds of things, so I won't. Um, but if he's not back this week, I would expect he's back the following week. They made it seem like a sooner rather than later situation. And even on the high end, turf toe is like a six week kind of thing. Right. So, I mean, I would expect it, if it's not this week, it's next week. I would, I would, the only, the only guess I'll make is that he is close. That's all. I mean, that's all I can speculate at this point. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Great stuff, Peter. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk specific matchups, seeing how these two teams match up against each other, what we can expect to happen on Monday Night Football, and maybe even throw in a prediction or two. So you stick with us. We'll be right back on First Bite. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back with First Bite, your Pride of Detroit preview podcast for this week's game, Lions of Packers Monday Night Football. I'm here with Peter Bukowski from Acme Packing Company, Lockdown Packers Podcast, Pro Football Weekly, and Packer Report. Uh, let's move on to the matchups for this game because I think it's a very intriguing matchup. In fact, I, I put a tweet out there earlier uh, today, Wednesday night, uh, about the football 
outsiders DVOA numbers and how basically every matchup, you know, lines pass offense for screen base pass defense, that sort of thing. The, the rankings are within five numbers, I think, of, of each uh, matchup, which is, you know, kind of striking. It, it's strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness. Um, but let's start with the when the Lions have the ball. Lions pass offense versus Packers pass defense. Um, I, I think the main question here is, is protection, right? Um, we, we already talked about the Smiths and, and how the Packers can bring pressure with just four guys without sending blitzes, but they're also a very aggressive defense that likes to kind of disguise their blitzes and disguise who's pass rushing and that sort of thing. Um, Peter, what's your outlook on this matchup? Do the Lions have a shot at, at stopping this pass rush? Um, hmm. Do they have a shot? Um, <laughs> maybe. I think you've already answered the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, that to me, um, if you're a Lions fan or even if you're a Packers fan, I mean, I think, I think a lot of Packers fans are terrified of Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And part of that is the last few years, he is, he's played really well against Green Bay. I mean, the, the Monday night game two years ago against Brett Hundley, albeit against Brett Hundley and Dom Capers and all that stuff. I guess that's, is that three seasons ago now? 2017. Um, to, however you do the math, I don't whatever. <laughs> um, the, that game, you know, Dom Capers, I thought, had a pretty good plan. And Stafford just torched them. Just mm-hmm. torched them. And just made great throws, had every answer. When we talk about a quarterback having answers, pre-snap, post-snap, you got to have the answers for whatever the defense is showing you. He had every answer. And, you know, that is, that is scary if you're a Packers fan. Uh, on the other hand, you know, this, this defense has been outstanding, um, not just rushing the passer, but creating turnovers. I, I've been impressed. I mean, I've, been, I've watched as part of my, my prep for the week. Um, I've been able to watch a couple Lions games specifically because, you know, they played the Eagles the week before the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, they played the Chiefs two weeks before the Packers. Um, uh, and so that was, I got to watch the Lions prepping for the Lions. That makes sense, right? Uh, but I've been impressed with Matt Stafford and I've yeah. been impressed with this offense, the scheme. It is so much more, um, I guess what I'll call modern. Mm-hmm. It is uh, way better than anything I saw Daryl Bevel run in Seattle, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just, I think it's, it's um, it, 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 there's a lot of wrinkles that Green Bay is going to have to be ready for. Um, they mix personnel really well. They mix formations really well. Um, one thing, you know, I, I noticed as I was going through the numbers, they are seventh in adjusted sack rate, which is good, but yeah. they are seventeenth in pressure rate allowed, right? Which is less good. So <laughs> if you're the Packers, your goal is not just to pressure Stafford. You certainly want to pressure him because he will still throw into coverage, but he can make ridiculous throws. That's the thing that Stafford has is he will make a ridiculous throw with pressure in his face off his back foot and Kenny Galladay will just go up and moss a cornerback and it's a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, God damn it. And and <laughs> that's just, I'm, I'm hopefully you can you're cross fine. on the you're fine. Yes, you're good. <laughs> uh, but that's, that is how you feel as an opposing fan for sure. And I'm sure players and, and coordinators feel the same way. Uh, I, I think the effectiveness will will change in my mind if and when we know what the status of TJ Hawkinson is. Um, And, you know, the thing that that we saw against the Chiefs rear its ugly head was some sort of characteristically Lions-y bonehead mistakes. Sure. You fumble in the red zone, um, the carry-on fumble that turns into a touchdown the other way. I mean, 
if, if there has ever been a lionsy moment, it is a hundred yard fumble return at the goal line. <laughs> I mean, that is just yes. peak lions. Um, and that's that stuff can't happen. You're not going to beat Green Bay doing that stuff. So, um, you know, it, I I like the matchup on sort of both sides, if that yeah. makes sense. I mean, sure. I think I think Detroit can do some things. Uh, I think they are going to have problems with, with pressure, but I like this group of skill players against almost anyone. I mean, I really like Jones. I really like um, Galladay. I, I think Hawkinson is a future star. And, you know, carry on Johnson doesn't really do it for me, but I think he's, I think he's good enough. And I like the versatility of their personnel with JD McKissick. So mm-hmm. I, I like that um, to paraphrase Kirk cousins, but <laughs> I also think that there are ways that Mike Patton can make life miserable for Matt Stafford. I think there are ways, especially on the interior for yeah. green Bay to, to sort of exert its will. I think you, you, you rush Zadarius Smith more as a three tech. You see Kenny Clark, you know, getting on their guards and, and I, I think they'll be able to exert their will. It was, I was talking to Matt Derry who hosts locked on lions. Yep. And he was saying, you know, a lot of this is going to come down to, if you get the good versions of Ricky Wagner and Taylor Decker. Right. And if you do, you have a shot. And if you don't, it could be one of those like six sacks days where Stafford throws two picks. Right. And so for the lions, you got to hope you get the former. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points there. And I think uh, just to touch on a couple of them, the, the Darrell Blevel stuff, you know, looking uh, completely different than his time in Seattle. I think you have to think about what he did in that year off where he didn't have a job and maybe he was looking around other offenses and, and getting a lot of inspiration because in a lot of ways, I think there is a lot of kind of the Kyle Shanahan Absolutely. motion, you know, uh, finding ways to get tight ends open and, and using fullbacks and, and all that sort of stuff. And then um, just to touch on TJ Hawkinson and his availability, obviously, like I said, no injury report out yet, but uh, very promising. I saw him at practice today, full helmet pads, um, was even getting hit by some pads, suggesting that he's probably already in stage five of the concussion protocol, giving him, I think, a pretty good shot of playing today or this week, uh, which is kind of a miracle given considering how scary his uh, injury was against the Chiefs. But uh but yeah, I, I think this is definitely a very intriguing matchup. Um, I mean, we haven't really even talked much, talked much about the the Packers' very much improved secondary with those safeties with Jair Alexander, um, Amari Cooper. Performance aside, I still think one of the best young corners in the league. Um, very, very interesting matchup, and I, I think like you you kind of pointed out, I think this could definitely go either way. I'm fascinated to see how Detroit wants to to attack them because they're going to play a lot of man coverage. Yeah. But I think Green Bay is going to sit back a lot of times with two safeties and say, you know, nothing over the top. Sorry, Matt Stafford, but Kenny Galladay is not going to beat us. Marvin Jones is not going to beat us over the top. And is Stafford going to be patient enough to make throws underneath? Is he going to have time? You know, if they run some of right. those mesh concepts, those crossing routes, is he going to have time to get to those guys? Is he going to have time to get to deep balls? How are they going to mitigate, you know, this pass rush, especially if Green Bay is going to play in a two shell, which I expect them to do a fair amount. Although Patton, you know, the irony of what happened with Amari Cooper is that that late touchdown was because they weren't in a prevent defense. Right. And so it's like <laughs> just the one time you would have said, hey, can you put two safeties back? And <laughs> and he didn't. And it turns into a touchdown. So uh, I'm I, I'm sort of like live by the sword, die by the sword. I'm I'm that person. But yeah. Um, I understand why fans would be like, Mike, come on, guy. Right. 
And you, you have to wonder if the Lions think this is a game where they they try to establish the run a little more. I mean, Matt Patricia says it all the time. He's he's very much of that old school mind where running the ball and stopping the run is how you win football games. And while that doesn't necessarily match up with how the Lions have been successful this year, and in fact, it's the exact opposite of how mm-hmm. the Lions have been successful this mm-hmm. year. God bless um, them if that's what they want to do. Yeah, right. Uh, definitely one of the more frustrating parts about his kind of mantras, but they, they've been horrible at stopping the run. They've been horrible at running the ball and good at stopping the pass and good at passing the ball. And suddenly they're two, one and one. So go figure. Uh, but uh, the, the, if if Matt Patricia you know speaks true to his his actual you know ideals, this seems like a game in which they they could try to quote unquote establish the run. Um, even if if the Packers just have no interest in in stopping them there, but at some point I think you, you are going to have to air it out. And and the Lions have been one of the better deep ball offenses in this year. Um, so if if the Packers do go into that two shell, I think it's going to be a, a a difficult day for Matthew Stafford. He's going to have to fit some balls in some tight windows, which he has no problem trying he to do. do. That touchdown <laughs> throw. Uh, unbelievable yes. touchdown throw in between like four Chiefs defenders. Yes, yes. That that was uh, definitely the highlight of the week. Might might be his best throw of the year. Uh, it's hard to imagine a better one coming yeah. uh, soon. But let, let's switch it over to the Lions defense against the Packers offense. Um, as you mentioned, you were you were watching some Lions film this week and, and you had an interesting observation you put out there on Twitter and you already kind of teased it a little bit here where the Lions played very patient. They, they didn't rush. They didn't blitz a lot. They, they rushed four or three a lot, dropped a lot of men into coverage. Uh, it seems like that was actually kind of the game plan against Aaron Rodgers in the first game last year. And it, it worked to, to varying degrees. Um, you know, the Packers wide receivers, not, not the greatest set of, of receivers in the league. Um, so the Lions were fine just dropping a bunch into coverage and, and forcing Aaron Rodgers to find somebody. And a lot of times he was holding on to the ball for a very long time. Is that going to work this year? It's interesting, right? And and it, this is it is also the game plan against prime Aaron Rodgers. That was how you know a lot of teams. This is how Detroit. You know, you go back to some of those games, especially in Detroit, they had better success. Yeah. You know, you you play press on the outside. Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb did not like to be pressed. Mm-hmm. If you could be physical with them, you could disrupt them, and that was that was sort of the the recipe. And it, Mahomes got impatient. And he missed some throws, and and Detroit said, if you're gonna if you're gonna beat us deep, you're gonna have to fit balls into into coverage, or you're gonna have to make perfect throws over the top because there were plays to be made, yeah. um, especially down the field. And Mahomes just didn't make them, just didn't make the throws, right. um, and those are difficult throws. We're used to seeing Mahomes make them, but he just he he did not stay patient. He was breaking the pocket when he didn't need to. Uh, I, I thought the pocket awareness in general, I don't want this to be a whole Patrick Mahomes pod, but <laughs> he just, I didn't think he handled what the D- Detroit was doing to him. Well, the difference is Aaron Rodgers knows that this is the plan. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has seen this going back to 2015. You know, this is, this is what they've been seeing for a long time, even before that really, um, because teams had, had just said, look, we're going to play two safeties. We're not going to let you take deep shots. And, Good luck with the run game. Good luck with whatever. And we don't think that you're going to stay patient enough. Well, Rodgers has been much more patient this year. Um, he still holds the ball a little too long, but um, this offense is has more um, outlets. They've been a really good screen team this year. And Aaron Jones is rolling. Mm-hmm. So if, if Green Bay's front, you know, if you're going to play forefront and and play small with with safeties and extra cornerbacks uh 
Green Bay is going to say, cool, um, here is Danny Vitale and here is Mercedes Lewis mm-hmm. and it's going to be big boy football time. Yeah. Yep. And they, they dictated offense to the Dallas Cowboys. They made the best linebacking duo in football look like, you know, also rans. I mean, they, they sunned to Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch and you do not see that happen. Yes. I was, I was shocked to see Leighton Vander Esch just, you know, sucking air. It, it was it, Aaron he, Jones. Aaron Jones was smoke to Leighton Vander Esch. He could yeah. not, I mean, he could not catch him. And, you know, I, I think that is the difference of, of Green Bay right now is, you know, the Chiefs early in the game had some success attacking with multiple tight ends, two tight end sets, crossing mm-hmm. routes. They, they used a lot of condensed formations to try and create confusion. And I do think you can do that against, um, uh, against Detroit. I think you can, you can use the, you know, mesh concepts and some of that stuff to try and, and get them to be confused, try and rub them off. That didn't sound great. Um, <laughs> I was going to let it ride. <laughs> well, can't, can't do it. Um, but I, I just don't think they stayed. Um, they didn't stay patient. It was, that is the word that I kept going back to. Mahomes played impatiently. I thought Andy Reid played impatiently, called the game impatiently. And, and Matt LaFleur, what we've seen from him is he will stay balanced. He's going to keep giving the ball to Aaron Jones and he's going to want to take shots and they're going to take some shots in this game. I think the success of the offense, I, I, I to me, if you can't pressure Rodgers, I, I just don't think right now with the way the offense is running the ball that that you, you're going to be able to stop them. I mean, 31st in pressure rate for the Lions, 24th in adjusted sack rate. If they're going to rush three and rush four against Rodgers, he's going to he's going to pick them apart and um, they're going to run the ball effectively in those situations. They've been really good throwing the ball from big personnel to tight end sets um, from two running back sets and um, running back with the fullback, a little pono pony uh, personnel with, with two running backs. I think Jamal Williams is going to be playing in this game. I have a feeling he's going to be ready. You didn't ask about that, but um He's coming back off a scary hit against Philadelphia, but I have a feeling he's going to be able to play. So I think we'll see that as well and and you know say, okay, when your linebackers are on the field, Detroit, can you run with the backs of the Packers? Can you run with Aaron Jones? Can you run with Jimmy Graham and, and Robert Tanyan and, and Mercedes Lewis? And you know we'll see what the answer to that is. Yeah, lines linebackers has have not really been a source of inspiration lately. Um, I think p- the potential return of Deshaun Hand could help in that pressure situation. We're still not sure if he's ready to go or not from the elbow injury suffered in training camp, but we shall see, and we shall see what's going to happen on Monday night. And to help us figure out what's going to happen, it's time for our prediction portion in which we call one thing we think we know where we give a prediction, not necessarily a score prediction, but of of something we we're pretty sure is going to happen, even though this NFL season has already turned out to be quite unpredictable, and I've turned out to be horrible at this section of the show, but that's why I'm going to let you embarrass yourself first, Peter. What's the one thing you think you know from Lions Packers this week? Uh, I think I know that Detroit's not going to be able to stop Green Bay. And I, I mean, I think uh, the thing I think I know is Green Bay is going to hit 30 points. Okay. And if that happens, it's a wrap. Game over. I, d- I don't think Detroit can score enough against Green Bay. Um, it took, by the way, I was really impressed with the heat seeking missile um, that is Justin Coleman. Uh, mm-hmm. 
just punching balls out. I, I yeah. thought Detroit played really opportunistic football against uh, Kansas City. They played opportunistic football against Philadelphia. It is definitely a different mindset with that defense, but they needed those things because Kansas City was able to move the ball at times. And I think Green Bay is going to be able to do that. Green Bay, I don't think he's going to turn the ball over in those kinds of ways. I don't think you're going to be able to force Rodgers into mistakes. And if they're going to play that soft coverage, I mean, we saw Bill Belichick try it um, a couple years ago in Lambeau. And that was Mike McCarthy's magnum opus. It was his masterpiece. Um, and they worked the Patriots in that game. Now, that was with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and a rookie, Devontae Adams. And, you know, a, that was MVP Aaron Rodgers. But I just don't think that that is a viable recipe this year in this offense with this team, um, especially with the way the Green Bay Packers defense is playing. If Green Bay gets to 30, they're going to win. Ooh, okay. I'm sweating over here now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to totally cop out on my one thing I think I know because I've been bad at this, as I mentioned. The one thing I think... I think I know about this game is that we're, we're going to find out if this Lions offense is for real. Yeah. Um, we, not that the Lions have played horrible defenses through, through four weeks, but they haven't played any great ones. I think this Packers team is definitely the best defense they're going to face so far. Um, protecting Matthew Stafford is, is going to be, uh, you know, priority number one, but I think I'm very interested in see how this receiving core performs against a, a pretty darn good Packers secondary. So I'm not actually making any predictions. I'm just saying this is the week we find out whether this offense is for real. I'm sorry. I'm copping out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would take that <laughs> a step further. I, this is a show me game for Matt yeah. Patricia and this team. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, if, if you're for real this year and, mm -hmm. and you are an improved team and you are a legitimate NFC playoff contender, you, this cannot be um, 2011 Packers Lions. It just yeah. like you, if you get if you lose by two touchdowns, you're you're that's a that's a your pants getting pulled down, and right. and that is sort of a, a revelation of okay, it's the same old Lions, and I I don't think that's going to happen. I will be on record saying that I think this is a solid Lions team, but it's a show me game for Matt Patricia and this Lions team. I think. And and it's interesting because I think if the Lions, you know, if they come close, they lose on a last second field goal, they lose by a touchdown, whatever it is, I don't think that's going to be enough to to promote fans into into being believers either. Because we we already had our moral victory of the year by hanging with the Chiefs. Um, doing that with the Packers is is not going to be acceptable, even if it is a really good Packers team, even if it is in Lambeau, prime time at night, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't think anyone is going to take anything positive from this game from Detroit standpoint, unless they win the game. And that's, that represents a, a positive step forward for this team, right? I mean, sure. no moral victories is, is an important step because I mean, how many years between wins at Lambeau? I mean, right. talk about moral victories. And, yeah. and to, so, you know, that's a little, if anything, the Packers right now have to get off the schneid with losing these games at home. And I mean, sure. I know, Deshaun Kaiser was heavily involved in one of those games and <laughs> Brett Hundley is heavily involved in another one of those games. Right. And then you had, you know, the wonky one was at 2015 where Mason Crosby misses the field goal right. at the end that would have won the game. You know, the, the Green Bay has, this is, this is a game that they have to be at least a little bit afraid of. And, and that is a, a change, a paradigmatic change in the Packers Lions relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Peter, uh, that was some fantastic stuff. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, 
I need to give you uh, a minute to to promote your stuff because uh, I'm sure a lot of Lions fans are going to want to hear more after this podcast. So the the floor is yours. Tell us where people can find your stuff. Easiest way to find everything that I, that I do is on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Um, Locked on Packers is anywhere you can find podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. And you just type it in. It's there. You can tell Alexa or Google Play or whatever to, to play it and it'll play it. Um, and then, you know, I'm at Acme Packing Company, Packer Report. Um, but I tweet out everything. So easiest thing is Twitter. And I try not to be a homer on there. <laughs> um, I can't make promises, but I, you know, you, I still may get accusations of it, but my, my thing is, um, I'd rather be right. So I, I don't really care about the outcome. I just want to be right. So yeah. that's the thing is, uh, you know, whatever take you're getting, it's a take I believe in. Cause I want to be right above all else. <laughs> I can respect that. I can respect it. Uh, Peter, thanks for your time. That was excellent. Uh, and, and thank you all for listening. We will probably see you maybe Monday night live on Twitch. We'll see if we're going to be up for it. If not, you'll see us Thursday or Tuesday night and uh, we'll have our reactions to Lions Packers sometime early next week on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. We will see you early next week. <laughs>